You're listening to the best of the day. I say you, you the best. Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Hurts looks, still looking. He is going deep for Smith, who has it. 20, 10, 5, touchdown! Devontae Smith! And Varsho out at a close play to end the ball game and end the series. Yeah, I mean, we're as pissed as anybody, obviously. Uh, we're mad. I'm like a tornado of anger swirling about. Good morning, Vancouver. 601 on a Friday. Sweet, sweet Friday. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. This is the thing where I do the Kintech thing? Sure is. Okay. You just gotta wait for it to load here. Okay, that's so, something that we do before the show. It's it's uh, it's Friday, and we are coming to you live from the Kintech Studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over twenty five hundred five star Google reviews, find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Uh, it is a Friday. We got a lot to get into on the show today, so I'm not going to waste any of your precious time. I'm just going to get right into the guest list. Six thirty, Brady Henderson, ESPN's NFL Nation, is going to join us. Seahawks preview for the game on Sunday. In Detroit, we'll talk to Brady about everything you need to know, including the return of 41-year-old Jason Peters to NFL action. Very, very interesting development there. So Brady Henderson at 6.30. Uh, we'll talk this game. 7 o'clock, Pete Blackburn. I love that when you look up Pete on the internet, it describes him as an internet personality. I'm like, that fits. That yeah, really yeah. works. He's online a lot. He's online. That's yeah. Pete. <laughs> so you've seen his work undoubtedly on Twitter, CBS Sports, Bally Sports, all the rest. His uh, his podcast. He's got a movie podcast, just like Adnan Burke. So we'll talk. Well, to he's also a Boston guy, so I want to talk to him about the Red Sox because they made a pretty big move yesterday. They absolutely did, and he was tweeting out about it on the internet where he is a personality. So seven o'clock, Pete Blackburn is going to join the show. Eight o'clock, it's Moj. We'll do NFL and CFL with Moj as we get into the weekend, get you all excited for it. Speaking of the weekend, we're also going to do our NFL locks of the week today. The world famous, well. Internet famous locks of the week. Uh, we're also going to do Ask Us Anything Friday because it's Friday. Premise is quite simple. You ask us anything, we answer it. We're also going to do What We Learns today. Ask Us Anything and What We Learns will get you into the grand prize draw mm-hmm. for a pair of tickets to see Adam Sandler's stand-up tour October 12th at Rogers Arena in Vancouver. So It is undoubtedly the best show. Yes. Who's boo <laughs> No, I'm making I'm making fun of you subtly. Undubitably? Undoubtedly. Un- Not out, undoubtedly. Okay. <laughs> Undoubtedly. 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 Okay. Okay. How about we make fun of you not having your Kintec read, you big jerk? No, that's more fun, though. No, it's more fun. Okay, so we're giving away Sandler tickets. Ruff's to famous the- favorite comedian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're giving away Sandler tickets to the best Ask Us Anything or What We Learned. If you're going to send it in, the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket is 650-650. Add a ticket emoji to your text. You'll be entered into the grand prize draw to see Adam Sandler do stand-up 
on October 12th. So working in reverse, 8 o'clock, it is Moj. 7 o'clock, it is Pete Blackburn. 6.30, it's Brady Henderson for some Seahawks talk. That is what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. So yesterday, uh, we spoke to Aaron Port. Two days ago, we spoke to Aaron Port's song. We spoke to Jeff Merrick all about this Mike Babcock situation. And the gist that I got, especially from Port's line, was that as far as the concerned, this story appeared to be done. They had addressed it. Boone Jenner had a statement. Mike Babcock had a statement. We, and they went, we forced Boone Jenner to put out a statement. And we dusted, no problem. And we dusted our hands <laughs> and we said, this story is done. Well, not so fast. The NHL and NHLPA are still very much investigating the Mike Babcock situation. For those that are unaware of what the Mike Babcock situation is, he, of course, is the guy who apparently infamously would ask players and this dates back to Detroit and Toronto and now currently in Columbus, uh, during the preseason and exhibition season and offseason for pictures of their family in a get-to-know-you type exercise Mm -hmm. for Mike Babcock. The practice has now come under severe scrutiny since Paul Bissonnette brought it up on a Spit and Chicklets podcast. And now it appears as though the NHL and NHLPA are digging quite deep into the backstory, the history of this practice and I don't know how this is going to turn out. I do know this, though, Jason. The story is not done yet. So, Freege reported yesterday on sportsnet.ca um, that Marty Walsh and NHLPA uh, uh, director, assistant director, Ron Hainsey. That's a really, way to talk, talking guy. No, that's like a really long title. NHLPA assistant. Assistant Executive Director Ron Hainsey, we just call him Handsome Ron Hainsey, met with Blue Jackets players in Columbus, a meeting described by several sources as, quote-unquote, intense. Mm-hmm. On Tuesday, when the story broke from Biz, both the NHL and NHLPA initially were satisfied with the explanations from Boone Jenner and Johnny Gaudreau. However... It appears things changed for both later that night when information was received that some of the younger Blue Jackets were uncomfortable with what had occurred. Mm. That appears to be the major focus of the investigation. Now, this is all, this whole issue is really dependent on who you talk to among the players. Some of the players that have spoken have, and, and this isn't just. This isn't just um, Johnny Gaudreau and Johnny Gaudreau and Boone Jenner. This is players that have played for Babcock before, right? They're totally uncoerced statements aside. But but they have some of them have said, yeah, he did it with me. I had no problem with it. I thought it was a great way for teammates to get to know each other, uh, for the coach to get to know me, et cetera, et cetera. We also spoke to Luke Shen yesterday, mm-hmm. and you asked him the question: If you ever has that ever happened to you? And he was kind of like chuckled. He's like, no, but. When you listen to the tone that he answered with a non-answer in, he was like, he's kind of like, yeah, let's just say I knew about it. Yeah. Like, it doesn't sound like he was was not surprised. But it didn't sound like he was um, impressed with the practice. And it sounded like he had probably spoken to a few players that didn't like it. And that's what it's looking like. Now, 
What I really want to hear more about is, was this all under the guise of getting to know the players and their families? Was that as simple as it was? Because the way Bissonette at at first described the situation, it was, let me see the photos in your phone. I want to know the type of person you are. So when we first heard this story... Mm-hmm. We thought it was like, ha, give me your phone. I want to see if there's anything bad on your phones, right? Mm-hmm. Like if your phone is full of pictures of you and your family and your cats and your dogs and I don't know, the charity work mm-hmm. you do, great. But if if it's uh, got some other pictures, then we got a problem. So when we first heard the story from Spit and Chicklets, we were like, oh, my God. Right. Like if, if that's true, that is like a hell of a thing. And then the Blue Jackets and – um, a guy, guys like Boone Jenner were like, no, it wasn't that the way it was described is completely wrong. And I think Babcock called it offensive the way it was described. Right. But we're still here um, with the situation that apparently younger players uncomfortable. Well, and apparently the meeting, according to Freeze, that they had with the NHL and the NHLPA or the PA and the players was Intense, so you could tell that there was some arguing going on in that meeting. Yeah, well, I think the I think what happened, like most things, is you get one person's side of the story, you get another person's side of the story, and the truth often lies somewhere in the middle. And I think this makes it this is really layered and really nuanced, and as you pointed out, really intense because there's there's so many differing opinions on it. Right? Like, I can understand how someone would see, like, this is a harmless get-to-know-you exercise. And the other person was like, felt like a weird power play from the coach. Yeah. Felt like there was some sort of weird mental gymnastics going on. And this is what happens um, when (laughs) you put somebody on the spot and they don't know if they're being put on the spot or if this is just a friendly, cordial conversation where you're asking a question. All of this comes back to the same thing, though, and I said this yesterday. Mike Babcock's reputation mm-hmm. in that it sucks. He has a history, a history of doing things where you're wondering what his end game is. That was the whole Mitch Marner situation. Why are you getting me to put together a list of the least hardest workers on the team? Is it for your personal collection of not hard workers? Yeah. Like, so what? you can imagine some of the younger players who are meeting Mike Babcock for the first time. And know all the backstories. And know all the backstories. They're like, oh, God, Mike Babcock's my, my coach now. And now he wants me to show them pictures on my phone? What? Right. So someone just texted in. Babcock gets no leash. This is a wit- witch hunt. I'll agree with you on the first part. He doesn't have any leash. This is, is a, this is the you know how movies and books work with redemptive arcs. This is his. He 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 hit the lows, and everything that he was alleged to have done was pretty much proven out to be accurate. You unless know. you don't believe a bunch of players talking about him. So he was out of the game. He had to work his way back in, and he went through all the song and dance about how he he really looked inside and did the work and was prepared mm-hmm. to get back, and then. You know, I, the crazy part of all of it is that he would go back to anything that he did in the past. He's like, well, it's worked before. It's like, yeah. well, you did some other things that worked before. The, worked the, before. The saying that comes to mind is you reap what you sow. Yep. Right? You ask Johan Franzen what he thinks about all this. If he thinks Babcock deserves the benefit of the doubt. Second chances are fine, but nobody says that the second chance has to be easy. Right? And I, I keep coming back to... 
how Mike Babcock is going to do his job if the players don't trust him and if the players don't respect him. Mm-hmm. It's going to be real difficult. And we'll see if the the Blue Jackets are already past the point of no return in this. Like they might, they, they honestly might have to. I don't know. Like, <laughs> can they let him go before? Can the they let him starts? go? Like, can, dude, that was, that was the are first, they locked in? Like, was legally first, speaking, literally <laughs> the first thing I said after we read the story on air, I'm like, well, Mike Babcock's getting fired. Like, that's I don't I don't see how you go forward with this and just be like, well. That was water under the bridge. And, and then, I'm glad that'll never happen. And then again. I don't see if they fire him how it doesn't end up in a massive lawsuit. But that's if you're a, Mike Babcock, you're sure. like, what, I'm getting fired because I asked players to show pictures of their family? Sure. I'm just, I'm just, done I'm for just thinking of the texters that are like, this is such a non-story, and now the story gets progressively worse every single day. Like, another layer but it gets was added never, to it. But it was never not a non-story. No, well, because people had a real sort of narrow, myopic view about what it was. And we tried to silo it off into like, Oh, wokeness and cancel culture. And yeah, it, did, it did all of a sudden get like very like like political. Because anytime like, someone what's ha- going on here, well, I know exactly why. It's because anytime <laughs> someone has to be accountable for their actions, the easiest thing to do is to say, "Oh, cancel culture is rearing its ugly head again." Eventually, we'll get to the part where people will be like, "The justice system and the courts." Classic cancel yeah, culture. Yeah, yeah. What are we yeah. going to do if this country ever has to go to war? God for cancelers. heaven forbid. <laughs> he's found, that guy I was like, what? Oh, sure, he's found guilty in a court of law. Sounds like cancel culture to me. Yeah, yeah. right? That's the thing. It's like I can't I'm, wait till Mike Babcock's first interview with Tucker Carlson on Twitter, though. Yeah. That'll be well, uh, I mean, outstanding. Yeah, like, it's totally true. It's not going to be on spitting chiclets, I'll tell you that. But <laughs> it's definitely trending in that direction. But it's a, it's a story for a multitude of reasons. That the real story isn't about asking somebody for pictures. Get that through your thick skulls. That's not it. That's not not the story that's never been the story. The story is Mike Babcock. And the story is there are a lot of people in the NHL. This isn't coming from people outside the NHL. Mm -hmm. This isn't like a bunch of social justice warriors on Twitter. This is guys that play in the NHL. They don't like him. I don't know what, like, I don't know. When the majority of the players that he's coached do not like him, (laughs) and it happens repeatedly over the course of his Mm -hmm. career. You have to start asking yourself, the, why is this? The projections that people have put onto this story, it's some of the more surprising stuff I've ever seen. I'm like, this is hockey players saying that they don't like a hockey coach and finally saying enough of this crap. To me, that's the most straightforward. Like, There's no yeah. interference. There's no outsiders poking their way in. This is just a bunch of NHL players been like, we don't want this guy to coach in the NHL anymore. And when he does something weird or something that you know, I, we find super either bizarre or off-putting or over the line is a good way of putting it, then we're going to say something about it. That's it. The Mike Babcock story. End of end of sentence. Okay, let's also talk about the Blue Jays. Uh, sorry, Laddie. Sorry, Laddie. Uh, were yeah, you alive? Yeah. Were you alive in 1987? I was not, but okay. I've heard stories. Have you heard stories about I've 1987? Because um, this isn't quite as bad as 1987 yet, but the fact that they were swept by the Texas Rangers did have echoes of 1987. And 1987, uh, if you guys don't know, that was when there weren't 600 playoff spots. <laughs> you had to win your division. There, the there was four playoff spots. 1987 was also the Canada Cup, which I can talk to you about. Uh, I think it's like the anniversary of the Canada Cup. The today. one in Hamilton? The one in Hamilton. What? Yeah. So anyway, 1987, um, there's a week left in the season. The Jays had a three and a half game lead on the Detroit Tigers for the division. The Jays got swept 
by, I think, Milwaukee and then went to Tiger Stadium and got swept by the Tigers and the Tigers with that last game won the division. So that was the massive collapse. And that was the thing about the Jays in the 80s. Like, they had a ton of talent, but they could never quite get over the hump. Like, two years before, 1985, they made the playoffs, and they had a 3-1 lead over the Royals, and the Royals came back to win that series, and then the Royals overcame a 3-1 lead in the World Series to win the World Series. But the Jays would always find a way to not get over the hump. And that's when they finally did in 1992 and they won the World Series. It was yeah. such a big celebration because like, it wasn't just in a vacuum like, oh, they had a great year in 1992, right? They, they for years, had been knocking on the door. Um, and you bring it forward to this year's team and look at the last few years. Like, they've all had their, their own unique frustrations for a team with talent. There was, what, it was it two years ago when they had that crazy run differential and they didn't make the playoffs? I won you. Last year, they make the playoffs, but they blow that massive lead to the Seattle Mariners. And this year, like, just getting swept by the Texas Rangers, a team that had been in an absolute funk mm. before they came to Toronto, and now the Rangers are out of their funk, and they, and they look like, the, I think they won six in a row now. And the Jays are, they're blowing it. Mm-hmm. They're blowing it. They are maybe, <laughs> they are one of the most unlikable 80 and 67 teams in baseball history. Like, they've got a good record. They're a game and a half out of the wild card, two and a half back of Texas. They're right there. And I am I know Twitter is Twitter and social media is an echo chamber at the best of times, but the amount of people that are just done and it's almost the, these very weird disengagements going on, like the really low attendance. And like you, laddie, like you're just kind of like, and I think part of it is because you've seen this almost from the beginning of the year where they never really ripped off a string of play where you're like, that's a championship caliber baseball team. They've just kind of been like good, not great, and had never shown at any point that they had it in them, either be it the swagger or the confidence or the ability to drive in runners in scoring position. it's very Vancouver Canucks-like. Yeah, No home run jacket. They missed Hey Oscar. All this stuff. It's a team with... Bad hitting and great pitching, and that's what it comes down to. In in the last month, the pitching hasn't been what it used to. But the hitting shouldn't be that bad. No. Right? And and I think when I say Vancouver Canucks, like it's like you look at the talent, and you're like, does the team have talent? Yeah, does the team have talent? Yeah, the team has talent. But are there holes in the lineup? Yeah, there's a few holes in the lineup, but like a lot of teams have holes in the lineup. It's like the collective group has not been able to come together And create what it should be able to create. Well, literally every player is having a down season, right? When you look at their numbers from years past, <laughs> every single – it's like the Mr. Burns softball team. Like, we can't have nine <laughs> separate players falter, but they did. Like, every single hitter has regressed downward from what they were in years past. True. How, who could predict that? Steve mm-hmm. Zaxman committed all those crimes. They didn't see that coming. And, and obviously there's a reason why that happened. Like, everyone went down a notch this year. Uh, so the Boston Who has to answer to that. So the Boston Red Sox uh, yesterday, while Blue, the, Jays, the Blue Jays will be taking on next. Yeah, they they start a series today. Yep. Uh, in Toronto, the Red Sox made a big change, um, firing what they call their chief baseball officer, Heim Bloom. Um, this was the guy 
that traded Mookie Betts. That's all he's going to be remembered for. And that's what he'll be remembered <laughs> for. But the debate in Boston is like people are saying, well, yeah, he was he was basically forced to mm-hmm. trade Mookie Betts because the ownership group tasked him with, you know, not spending as much money. Sure. And he made some bets on some other guys. Um, but the Mookie Betts trade is the one thing that hangs over, frankly, this team. Um, there's a lot of good things to be said about what he did as a guy like who created a good group of prospects. But in Boston, yeah, you want those good prospects, but you also need some results on the field. It kind of felt like he got done a little bit dirty here. Well, I want to talk to Pete Blackburn yeah. about that because yeah. I, I don't know the ins and outs of this story as much. So I think Pete is going to be able to provide us with a lot more context. Well, but yeah, it did it did feel like he got... My read on it is that he was brought in as the antithesis to Dave Dombrowski, right? He was supposed to be, I'm going to do it smart and I'm going to do it cost efficient. I'm going to do it methodically, build a championship contender. As opposed to Dombrowski, who is more about the big splashes and going out and getting big trades, high price free. Well, they see what the Rays like are doing, right? And they're like, we want a piece of that. We want to save $50 million. A year. But, you, but here's the thing I think that they underestimated how difficult it is to do in a place like Boston, where it's now you're in Yankees territory. It's like, we should be competing every year. And the fans are saying, why don't we spend? Right. And you're just sitting there going, nope. So, you know, I would not be surprised if the trading of Mookie Betts didn't just come down to Heimbloom at the end of the day. I bet some other people had a say in that one. No, right? I think he was tasked with it. Yeah. I he, think they told he, him, and, like, and then, I know this out. What they didn't tell him is if this if this backfires, you're going to be the fall guy. Yeah, yeah. Right? I bet the new guy is going to get, like, a very uh, big budget increase. Whoever gets it, right? Because like, I think the Red Sox are going are gonna to spend some money. This offseason, they need to improve their pitching a lot. Well, you remember when we talked to— They're going to spend money, and then—so how does this affect the Jays? Well, it makes it even harder. Do you remember when we talked to James Paxton during the summer? We had him on, and he was, of course, in the midst of a a bit of a renaissance season with the Red Sox. And the conversation at the time was, you know, are you going to be traded at the deadline for assets? Because he was pitching so well, and the Sox were— Then I looked at the standings. They were only two games out. And I remember thinking at the time, like, what world are we living in (laughs) where the the Boston Red Sox— have not an ace pitcher, but a really good chucker. And they're in the playoff picture, and they're talking about selling. Mm -hmm. Like, in any other era, the Red Sox are not only keeping packs, and they're probably re-signing them, and they're trying to add to that starting rotation bullpen and lineup to try and get into the playoffs. So you, I saw the direction that the team took under Bloom, right? Because there was the um, – his name's escaping me now. Went to San Diego. Xander Bogarts. Xander Bogarts, thank you. There was that as well, where mm-hmm. a lot of people were like, we're the Red Sox. Yeah. We keep Bogarts. We keep Mookie Betts. Or we go to other teams and rape and pillage them for those guys. Yeah. We're not the ones that let them get away. And mm-hmm. that was kind of the last straw for Bloom in, in um, Boston. But it's a really – I, I want to ask Pete about that dynamic. Like, can you be that type of manager in that type of market? Because it's probably going to happen with the Boston Bruins at some point. Uh, a lot of texts coming into the Dunbar Lumber text line about the Jays. Keith, the water guy, the Jays are just so immature and unlikable. Um, <laughs> every time I see Vladdy dump a bag of sunflower seeds on a player or coach in the dugout or interview, uh, anyway, he, what he says is that, that frustrates him. I'm not going to read what he actually wrote. Um, another text, mm. uh, the Jays collapsing is glorious. It's almost as satisfying as when the Leafs do it. The anguish and despair on the fans' faces make me warm and fuzzy inside. Let's go, Mariners. Um, the, the, 
the thing with the, I I think both those texts actually um, hit on something like this team. They're not likable in the sense that like they've got some personalities on the team, I suppose, but like they almost act like they're better than what they've accomplished. Ooh, that's a good take, actually, Laddie. Are, does, that, this, does that make sense, Laddie? Is this team unlikable? Uh, I think they could do a better job of being more personable. Yeah, I think the when you're the funniest player on the team is Brandon Belt with probably the driest, sarcastic, most right. sense of humor mm-hmm. you can find. Right. It's not a great sign. But they've yeah. got the the loser stink on them a little bit. And frankly, that's what the Canucks have until they don't. Right? When every time you're like, uh, all right, Canucks, this is it. This is it. And this is why you hear Rick Tockett talking about, like, we've got to meet pressure with pressure and we've got to change the narrative. Because right now, the narrative with this group is they got a bunch of individuals with talent and they got a bunch of individuals that can put up individual stats. But as a team, they're losers. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. Halford and Bruff. on a Friday. Happy Friday, everyone. We made it through the week. I mean, we did. Your Friday's like literally not started yet, but we're almost done. Final hour of the show. You are listening to the Halford and Ruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Ruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, Hour three of the program. Moj is going to join us to kick off hour three here. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at kintech.net. To the phone lines we go. Bob the Moj Marjanovic here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Moj? I got a doozy for you guys. Go. So I've been listening, like, you know, you're talking about stuff you believed in as a kid and all that. Mm-hmm. So I went to Hawaii. I might have probably like 10 or 11 years old, went with my parents. We got the big trip to Pearl Harbor. And, you know, you heard about the USS Arizona and this and that. And, you know, like I'm a little kid, a little bit of a, you know, history slash war nut. And I'm expecting, like, this just to be like some big, like, mess, right? I'll never forget our tour guide. And I don't know why I remember his name, Ambi Cruz. He goes, you do know that they've cleaned things up, right? <laughs> I wanted to see Ruins. Yeah, I was like, ah, it's cool. Yeah. I just thought it would be cooler. That's yeah. cool that you were yeah. a war nut at 10 years old. What's going on there? I, you know, I don't know. It's, it's funny. Like, I took classes, well, obviously, history classes in university, and... I don't know what it is, but World War II always kind of fascinated me. It's just like, you know, the history of it, all mm-hmm. of it, and just, you know, studied it, took courses or took classes on it. Um, and it's weird because I'm not into any other kind of, like, conflicts. Like, if you ask me about World War One, I, I barely know anything, right? But, right. you know, World War Two, I could tell you about, you know, you know, the key players, obviously, the key battles. The know, characters the were more interesting in World War Two. I don't know. It's just like I said, for whatever reason, it just fascinated me. Yeah. 
No, I'm the, I'm the same way. But I think I get that from my dad because he's born in England, so heard a lot of yeah. stories. Oh, Did yeah. you know that England was the uh, the hero and everything? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I heard a lot like, of that, you know, too. My dad fought in World War II, so, you know, when I was a kid, you know, you heard stories and all that, and your parents growing up in World War II, so obviously I always heard the story, so maybe that's where kind of like the fascination was started. And now we transition to sports. So yeah. the Red Blacks are at BC Place tomorrow. I guess the idea with the Lions is don't get tripped up like you did in the Hamilton game. That's a great point. And, you know, you look at the fact that Ottawa comes into town on a six-game losing streak. They're 3-9. and nine. They came off a, a devastating defeat in, you know, losing to Hamilton, which basically, like, eliminates them from the playoffs for all intent purposes. And, yeah, I know it's the CFL, but for Ottawa to make the playoffs, I mean, they need to go, like, 5-1, and one, and it's not going to happen. Um, but, you know, you look at Hamilton, when they came into town, they had just lost to the Edmonton Elks, and that was Edmonton's first win of the year. The scary thing about the Red Blocks is the fact that They've lost nine games. Six of those have been by one score or less, and the biggest margin of defeat is 13 points. So as bad as they've been, they've competed in every single game. So, you know, the Lions are going to have to come out and compete. You know, like I wrote my column this week for Black Press, I mean, they better be careful here because if you don't learn from history, you're bound to repeat it, right? So hopefully the Lions can uh, come up with a better effort and a little bit more energy. And that's one of the things that Coach Rick Campbell's been really stressing at practice and, you know, throughout the course of the last couple of weeks is just keep bringing the energy. And once, you know, if the lines bring with that energy, they should be fine. Because they got two games coming up where they're going to be significant favorites tomorrow against the Red Blacks. And then their next game, uh, the following Friday, is in Edmonton against the Elks. The Elks look better, a lot better than they did earlier in the season. I wonder if that could be a trip-up game before for the Lions as well before they get to their two big back-to-back games, first against the Riders at home and then against the Blue Bombers at home. Yeah, and, you know, you look at what Edmonton's been able to do with Trey Ford, a quarterback, extremely mobile guy, runs around. But you also have to remember, this is a kid, I think he's limited to, what, seven or eight college starts, if that's the number, um, in, in his last year. So, to me, the, the big question with Trey Ford is, can he make the throws from the pocket? So keep him in the pocket. Don't allow him to, you know, run around and improvise. If you keep him in the pocket and make him a passer, um, I think it bodes well. But, you know, Edmonton is a much better football team with Trey Ford, a quarterback, than with Taylor Cornelius. So, again, that's it's another great point is the fact that when they do play Edmonton, it's going to be a much better Edmonton Elks team than they faced the first couple of times when they shut them out. Uh, Moj, let's talk about the Seahawks, if you'll allow us. Uh, it was a pretty depressing effort against the Rams in week one. Um, what do they need to do in Detroit to avoid going to 0-2? Man, um, if you're a Seahawk fan, I'd be extremely concerned. Of all the games in the first week, that was probably one of the ones, if not the one, that shocked me the most. Um, and they need a win. Simply put, if you do the math, if you look at the numbers, since 2007, 125 teams have started the season off by losing the first two games. How many do you think made the playoffs? No idea. 13. Wow. Hmm. Right? So 13 for 125, that's, I don't know, around 10% or just a little over 10%. Uh, and one of those teams actually was the Cincinnati Bengals last year. And I think the sea and, and I know the Seahawks did it a couple of years ago as well, but man, it, it's such tough sliding. If you dig yourself into that hole. And if you look at the Seahawks, man, I mean, ideally, I heard you guys talking about strategies and what teams should do. And when you guys were going over your picks, ideally for the Seahawks in their perfect world is to put points on the board, make other teams one dimensional 
and basically force them into passing situations and, you know, try to make games in the track meets. Because everyone's talked about the Seahawks and their run defense. Ironically enough, their run defense wasn't that bad against the Rams. Yeah. Their, their secondary got lit up. And one of the reasons why everyone's saying, well, the secondary has to improve their play. Well, when you don't get to the quarterback, yeah. I mean, Matthew Stafford, I don't think you need to shower after that game. Mm-hmm. He got hit twice. Mm-hmm. He didn't get sacked. I mean, the dude didn't even need to, like, like I said, they didn't even need to wash his jersey. So, like, you look at the Seahawks' pass rush, they have to be able to get to the quarterback. And if they don't, it, it might be ugly. And the other thing that scares me about this Seahawks game is their offensive line. I mean, no Abraham Lucas, no Charles Cross. It looks like one of them. Well, obviously, one of them went on the, the injured reserve. Yeah, the other one Abe Lucas is did. questionable. So, to me, I mean, uh, and, you know, the drop-off that they have of those tackle spots is huge. I mean, they had to go and sign Jason Peters, who's like, I don't know, 58 years old. Um, so, to me, that's that's another huge concern for the Seahawks is, you know, what are they going to do offensively when they have two tackles that are out? Well, it's funny. Pete Carroll was talking about it after the game. He kind of mentioned what you mentioned about the secondary um, being in a tough position because there was no pass rush. But he also added that the pass rush was in a tough position because the secondary wasn't covering guys. So there was never a moment when Matt Stafford had to look up the field and go, oh, there's no one open. Now I gotta, yeah. you know, now I gotta pull the ball down a little bit, and and I'm gonna have to take some more time. That makes it harder on the pass rush. So it was the worst of both worlds against the Rams. So in reality, I think both of the areas have to improve if the Seahawks have any chance at Detroit. Yeah, I agreed. But to me, the pass rush is where it starts because what you want to do. And Julio Caravan always talks about this. Quarterbacks have this internal clock, right? And when you're not getting to a quarterback, that internal clock is it's running for a while. Um, if you are able to get pressure on the quarterback, all of a sudden he feels like he has to almost hurry every play, right? Not necessarily that he has to, but you know he feels like he's going to get that pressure. He feels like he has to make a quick throw. So. To me, it really does start with a pass rush. And, you know, personnel-wise, what are you going to be able to do? I mean, you can't really do that much. The one hope that Seahawks fans might have is when Jamal Adams returns. But even then, you know, there's a lot of question marks. There's question marks about how he was deployed the last time he was healthy. Will he be healthy? You know, there, like, like I said, I mean, will he be effective coming off this quad tendon surgery that's knocked him out for a significant period of time? So, to me, there there might be some hope there, but at the same time, there's also a lot of question marks in terms of what he might be able to do for the pass rush. We're speaking to Bob the Moj Marjanovic here on the Halford and Breath Show on Sportsnet 650. Moj is a presentation of the West Coast Auto Group. Great service, great selection just over the bridge in Maple Ridge. Moj, we got to ask us anything for you. It's football-related, and it's about something we were talking about on this show. John in Canby Village wants to know, Moj, as a former player and longtime coach, can you please comment on Halford's take that red zone is the best way to consume the NFL on Sunday? So in case you missed this earlier, um, I was talking about how much I enjoy red zone and how it's moved to the prominent role in my viewings on Sunday. And I actually kind of get fidgety and stir crazy when I'm watching just the regular game being broadcast because there's so many breaks. Your thoughts, Moj? I'm not a red zone fan, um, and I heard you guys talking about it. For me, I'd rather just kind of focus on one game. And, and you know, I, I, red zone is great in the sense that if there isn't that one game that you're focused on or it's a dud or whatever, 
you can kind of turn red zone on and watch some of the games and then maybe kind of then get into the game itself. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not a huge red zone guy. I personally like using the zone package and what I do, I have the ability with the zone package to kind of split in as many games as I want. So yeah. Like that is cool. Games. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So, you know, I might do that sometimes, but usually I'm a one game type of guy. I'm not really into like, watching red zone because the fact they just kind of flip all over the place all well anytime a team gets into the red zone obviously but they're flipping all over the place all the time i'd just rather either watch one game or break it up into four and then i can kind of zoom into the games when things do become a little interesting i've gotten so old now that i continue to marvel at the ways that we can watch games compared to when we were kids like it is it is incredible how much sports we can watch we can watch it when we're just walking around outside on our phone like it just it just seems like a thousand years ago that like there'd be what eight Canucks games on TV in a year. Well, it's crazy because you know I always talk about this with fantasy sports, and for us, obviously, being into fantasy baseball for like since 1990, our league's been around. So think about that. But okay. you know, I remember like guys would have pools and they do the stats by hand. They get the province on Tuesday or Wednesday or the USA Today and do everything by hand. That's crazy. Now, like, you go on your phone, you got live scoring. I mean, you can watch a game anywhere on your phone. And, yeah, you're right. I mean, hell, I remember Canuck games as a kid. You could only watch a Canuck game on a Wednesday mm-hmm. or Saturday, and that was just they're lucky enough to be on. So, yeah. It's 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 absolutely crazy in terms of the technology and how it's evolved. Remember having to work hard to find out of a, find out the score of a game that you missed. You'd be like, you're like, how how can I find out the score of it? Like, you just think about it. You're like, I guess I could just ask someone if they've read the newspaper or something. Like, it's uh, I don't know. Anyway, we're old, Moach. Congratulations, we made it this far. Yeah, well, even like box scores too, right? Like, I mean, I remember like the late. The West Coast games wouldn't be in the province, right? Yeah. And then, like, you'd almost have to wait, like, two days later, even like an <laughs> NHL game if the Kings yeah. are playing or, you know, heaven forbid, the California Golden Seals or whatever the case may be. You'd have to wait, like, two days almost to check out the box scores, right? And, and like I said, now it's all instantaneous. Boom. It's right there on your phone. It's it's absolutely yeah. crazy how sports has evolved. I mean, when I was a kid growing up, you couldn't even get box scores, like, I mean, none of the carries, none of the sports carried box scores. The only way I got my baseball fix as a kid was by getting the sporting news every Saturday. And I'd go down <laughs> to the Royal Towers in New West at the thing, and I'd get the sporting news, and I'd come back, and I'd be looking at all the stats and all that stuff. Now it's like, it's crazy. I mean, you get, like I said, everything's all just instantaneous on your phone, whether it's stats, whether it's updates. Um, it's just, it's, it's actually, it's, it's pretty cool because if you're a sports junkie, you're getting your fix. Yeah. It's incredible. Thanks, Moj. Enjoy the weekend, pal. Thanks, bud. Okay, guys. Have a great weekend. See you later. That's Bob the Moj Marjanovic here on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 60. So a reminder, Moj will be on the call. Lions, Red Blacks, 4 o'clock Saturday from BC Place. This, this, see, this is why you can't watch just watch a game. You can't just settle in and watch a game. You're, you're just being inundated with all this information. Yeah, and the dopamine in your brain is like, give me more, give me more, give me more. I can't focus on anything. So it's not my fault. It's just the way... It's technology's the, fault. The way the information is being presented to me. Mm-hmm. I get that. Okay, uh, quick reset here. We got about 45 minutes left in the show. We're going to be giving away a pair of tickets to see Adam Sandler open up 
His stand-up tour that's happening this fall starts October 12th here in Vancouver at Rogers Arena. The best what we learned and or ask us anything will get you the tickets, but you need to put a ticket emoji in your text. I cannot stress this enough. The ticket emoji enters you into the draw for a pair of tickets to see Sandler. Sandler do stand-up later this fall. We're also giving away tickets all next week as well. So we're doing going to do those. Uh, we've got a bunch flagged already. Does anybody have, and I know I'm throwing everybody on the spot, do. but does anybody have a what we learned that we a dog apparently has one, which is huge. Jason has one, which is not as huge because he usually does his job. I have something to contribute to the okay. previous conversation. <laughs> okay. Something Let's... stupid I thought of when I was a kid. Not okay. you. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, you go first then. Want me to do okay. one of those? Real yeah, quick. Stupid. I, Greg, I told you guys first. during the break, but it, I finally thought of something that I was. I was thought fun. Hamilton was nice. <laughs> no, I never thought that. <laughs> <laughs> When I was a young goalie, like before I actually became a goalie, I thought when the power play was ending and they banged their stick on the ice, I thought it was just because the goalie was bored and wanted more shots. Ah, right. And was just saying, hey, guys. Oh, that's actually not bad. Yeah. And then I, then I started goaltending and I realized, hey, it's actually a, a reason they do that. Pay yeah, attention yeah, to me. That. Let me play. Yeah, that makes sense. They're that's all lonely bad. back there, all by themselves. You know, power plays down at the other end. Yeah, and yeah you'd be banging, banging your stick on the ice. You'd be like, okay, guys, come on down here now. I want to play too. Right. Yeah, that's what okay. I thought when I was give us, Give us a moo cow on that. If that is what, what I unlearned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what I learned is that uh, Colorado State has a football team. I didn't know that. I have never heard of Colorado State football before. I've heard of Colorado. But now I know because Colorado State, and they're called the Rams, yep. coach Jay Norval, I'd never heard of either, um, for some reason decided to take a shot at Deion Sanders' habit of wearing a hat and or sunglasses during news conferences. Mm-hmm. And the two teams are meeting, Colorado and Colorado State in the Colorado Bowl? I don't know. I don't think that's what it's called. Whatever. Uh, and he said, uh, do, we, do we have the audio on this? Okay, let's. so let's hear from, are they both going to be together? Because there's the Jay Norm. Okay, here's, so here's the, the head coach of the Colorado State Rams. And I sat down with the ESPN today, and I don't care if they hear it in Boulder. I told them I took my hat off, and I took my glasses off, and I said, when I talk to grown-ups, I take my hat and my glasses off. That's what my mother talked about. <laughs> Shots okay. fired. So, so Boulder is where... The University of Colorado is. Right. The Rocky Mountain Showdown is the name of the game, and it goes tomorrow, the annual game between Colorado and Colorado State, in Boulder. So Deion Sanders, of course, has been one of the biggest stories in college football, and Colorado is 2-0, and I believe, and Colorado State is, I think they're 0-1. I think they lost to Wazoo. So they've got this big game, and for some reason, the Colorado State head coach decided to take this shot at a very popular figure right now in college football in Deion Sanders, and Deion Sanders um, addressed his team about this, and here's what Neon Dion had to say. I'm out of my own business watching some film, trying to get ready, trying to get out of here and be the best coach I could be, and I look up and I read some bull junk that Dan said about us. Talk to us. Once again, uh, talk to us. Why would you want to talk about us when we don't talk about nobody? All we do is go out here, work our butts off, and do our job on Saturday. But when they give us ammunition, they unmessed around and made it. It was just going to be a good game. They unmessed around and made it. It was going to be a great test, a battle of Colorado, but they unmessed around and made it. 
like it. So it go, he got them to do that in cadence, and I'm, it wasn't planned. There was no way he's like, guys, and then when I have a break, you say personal. Like, they were just – the guys were so fired up. This is the dumbest move in coaching history. Yeah. Because he is going after – if you Google – Best trash talkers all time in sports. Every stupid Bleacher Report article has Deion Sanders in the top five. Every slideshow has Deion Sanders in there. If there was one thing he was known for, aside from being an unbelievably talented athlete and one of the best defensive players in NFL history, is that he talked and talked. And that's what drove people nuts is because they're like, well, he talks a lot, but he's also the best. So here's what Colorado has done, the Colorado Buffalo so far under Sanders. Uh, They upset TCU. In week one, 45 to 42. It might have been week zero, actually. I don't know, whatever. Uh, and then the next week, they hosted a pretty bad team in Nebraska. Like, Nebraska football has fallen off in a it's big not way. not your dad's Nebraska. They, they smoked them 36 to 14. And now they've got Colorado State at home. Now, they probably weren't going to, quote-unquote, look past Colorado State because it is the in-state rivalry. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big deal with them. But I don't think they were going to be motivated like they are now because they made it personal. Right. Okay, the dogs are still catching on, but we'll 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 do this. They're all supposed to yell um, at that point. The Colorado at the very least bark. The Buffalo. Personal. Okay. <laughs> Mono. <laughs> Don't the the uh, so Colorado is now a 23 and a half point favorite at home to Colorado State. Well, the, the so we'll break. see how that pans out for the old Rams of Colorado State. So the Rams of Colorado State and their head coach, Norville, who I think was an Eddie Murphy character in one of those funny movies. Anyway. Um, Memento. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it was 50 first dates. Uh, that was the movie, by the way. Um, they got pummeled last week. Or sorry, two weeks ago when they opened their season. They got blown out 50 to 24. Now, Wazoo's like top 25. They're a good team. Yeah, they're, they're a pretty decent but team. But yeah. you got annihilated at home. In your opener, I don't think you should be talking, period. You should be like, we should just really focus on ourselves right now. I don't know what this guy's endgame is, Norval. I don't know why he chose to do this. I don't know why. Of all the things to go after, you would go after a football coach wearing sunglasses and a hat. Yeah, I think he looks cool. He does look cool. Have you ever tried? To, I, I actually, I'm always impressed by the, the celebrities that have um, wearing sunglasses as one of their things. Have you ever tried to watch wear sunglasses inside when it's like not super bright out? Like you're not in like a casino in Vegas. Right. It is quite difficult. It's hard. It's difficult. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all blurry and dark. Yeah. You're like, ah, I can't see it. Anytime damn I see somebody wearing here. sunglasses indoors, I'm I'm making fun of them in my head. It's ridiculous. Right. But so, not, not out loud because they could be dangerous. Yeah, you don't know could, what yeah. lies behind those glasses. Or they might just have a light sensitivity issue. And yeah, then you're, but And then you're making fun of someone with a light sensitivity. Yeah, but jerk. let's be honest here. 1% maybe. I'll right. take the risk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's difficult, <laughs> For though. the sake of comedy, I'll take the risk. Yeah. yeah. We should do that, actually. That should be our thing. Sunglasses. Sunglasses. Indoors. You know, the lights are bright in here. They are bright, yeah. I'm not going to lie. All right. It's so a- give us a moo cow on that. Uh so one last chance, text in, uh, you're asking us anything. I have a really, your... really quick what we okay, learned. for God's sake. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We can do it on the other side. It's, it's fine. A, we'll it's kick a, it, off. It the... might be a good way to go out, though. Uh, okay. You do. Is it a tiny one? It's a very tiny one. Yeah, okay. You go ahead. 
Can oh. I finish? Oh, yeah, I'll let Brad finish first. That whole thing yeah. that I was doing about texting in your what no. we learns or ask us anything's into the Dunbar Lumber text line put at 650, on, 650. Put it on hold for a sec. He obviously wants to do this going to break, so finish what you had to say. I'm done now. It is. Okay. Andy, you're going to take us to break, I presume? We're yeah. Kill the mood right before is what we learned. All right. Go ahead. Better be us, good now. Hey, Poor g- dog. Hey, give us your tiny one. All right. <laughs> I learned it's somebody's birthday today. Hey, up your Springfield. One, two, three, four. Hell, you old bastard. Hey, I think they liked us. Mr. Burns' birthday today, September 15th. I just thought... Really? You know, yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. I can't is. believe you pulled that. I, I know. It's have a, the Rolling Stones <laughs> killed. There it is. I've been thinking about this all month. <laughs> September 1st hit. <laughs> More hilarity to I'm glad too. you interrupted me. Wasn't it worth it? Yeah, yeah, it was. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.